So how do you attract new business so you constantly don't have to chase it? Hi, I'm Mike Cuevas, the Real Estate Marketing Dude, and this podcast is all about building a strong personal brand people have come to know, like, trust, and most importantly, refer. But remember, it is not their job to remember what you do for a living, it's your job to remind them. Let's get started. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude Podcast. Folks, what we're going to be talking about, we're on this kick in the last six, seven, eight episodes. Um, we are talking about working and embracing investors, leverage, multiple options, competing against interruption, getting with investors and leveraging these relationships. Because in today's world, you'd have to do more than just have a license. A license gives you the right to sell real estate doesn't make you sell real estate. You have to use your brain for that. So who we have on today is we're going to talk specifically on a very specific type of investors, because if you guys have been following the show, we're talking about rehabbers, we're talking about working with iBuyers. In this case, we're going to be talking about how to work with a real estate developer and what that means. And before I introduce our guests, I'll share with you what we used to do in Chicago. And what some of the top agents I've seen is doing this. And when you start bringing investment ops to the developers, you guys get the listings on the back end. There's a tremendous amount of leverage that occurs when you work with a developer. So when I see a lot of real estate agents chasing a bunch of people they don't know and calling a FISBO or an expired listing, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Why aren't you going out chasing land ops? Why aren't you going out chasing ops where zoning is not maximized? Why aren't you going out and chasing different opportunities where you can actually give those deals, get paid on the acquisition, let someone like our guest here redevelop the property. And then you get the listing on the back end and you get to market the property the whole time it's under construction, which is just a tool for spinoff business and buyer lead generation. So that's what I want to chat about today. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest. If I butcher your name, I apologize ahead of time, but correct me, Mr. Sunil Saxena. You got it. You got it. Hey. All right. I always, I always butcher these, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit where you're at and we're going to get right into this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you said, my name is Sunil Saxena. I'm a real estate developer based in Washington, D.C. been doing this 20 years now, and I actually started, I'm actually a medical doctor by, by, by profession, so practiced uh, emergency medicine for eight years, but have, uh, have been doing real estate full-time for the last 12 years. Uh, started with small rehabs, then I have a new home building company, kind of graduated building new homes, still do that. But primarily, I do a large multifamily development now in Washington, D.C. So you're a doctor and you left the doctor field. Like doctors make a lot of money. Uh, not compared to real estate developers. Not even close. Wow. So, so um, I guess we're going to hear some really good shit today. So um, let me ask you a couple of questions. And you guys might have, um, um, your partners, um, and you guys might have, who listen to the show frequently, and probably know Carrie Scholl and Dan Les- Les- Lesniak. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a coaching company, good friends of ours. And uh, you work with Dan's, but Dan's your business partner. And Dan also has a real estate brokerage, right? So um, I want to get into leverage and why uh, developers and why realtors. uh, Tell me what you look for. So a guy like you Mm -hmm. is going out. What do you want? And I want people to really get like, if I brought you a deal that you built like a 20 unit building on, like, are you going to like me? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to like maybe do business with me in the future. So let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I mean, I highly recommend every real estate agent should be working with um, investors, whether it's uh, rehabbers or bigger developers like myself. It's just all it takes is a kind of a knowledge of what we're looking for and how to analyze a deal. That's it. You're already as a real estate agent, you're already in the business, you're out there looking for deals all day. I mean, you're, you're looking at properties all day long. 
And so you're going to come across on a regular basis. You're going to come across some properties that work for a developer like myself. Correct. You might as well have myself and maybe a couple of us in your, you know, in your Rolodex. Uh, so you can just kind of call us and say, hey, I got a deal for you. As long as you can present it to us properly and it makes the numbers make sense, we will, we'll, we'll jump all over it. I'm, I got my first development op was in, and I tried so hard because I was a young kid when I started in real estate. I was 22. By about 27, 28 years old is right about that 2007-ish crash. And the right. first development, I brought a developer, and this is how I formed the relationship. I brought him a 26-unit condo development. It was a courtyard building. And okay. literally, like I'm like, all right, I gave up my commission because the sellout would have been $5 million. So right. I, I, I said, I'll take $15,000 on the front end commission. I, I negotiated just to get the listings on the back end, but the market crashed. If the market didn't crash, that first development would have leveraged me up to another builder, to another builder, to another builder, and to another builder. And that's exactly what happened. So um, you're right. People come across these deals and they just pass them up. That's what I'm saying. It's just, I mean, you're, you're out there anyways, right? I mean, as a real estate agent, you're looking at MLS every day. You're out there in the community. You know what's going on. You know who's buying. You know what's selling. And just a perfect example of what you mentioned is, first of all, you know, you'll get a big commission on the front end because these deals tend to be bigger. We just closed a $2.1 million deal. I just bought it last week. And the agent on our team got a great, that's probably one of his biggest deals he's ever done in terms of 50K, dude. Take it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a 24 unit. So imagine then that now you can get 24 sales. So you've got a big commission on the upfront, plus you've got 24 potential sales in the back end. Yep. So to me, again, it's a no brainer. If you're a real estate agent, develop some expertise of how to analyze a deal, how to put together a deal. Um, another thing you mentioned earlier that's very important is zoning. That's really the, the key thing. So, uh, you know, zoning can be very complicated when you first look at it. it. It sounds very, you know, oh my God. But just all you gotta do is go and like, look at the different zones in your city and just literally just get the zoning handbook and just read through it. And you'll start understanding how you can bring value to a developer because that's what we look at. We look at certain zoning and how we can increase density, increase square footage, and if you become even a little bit of an expert in that, you'll be able to identify an opportunity right away. It, well said, zoning. Uh, so what happened here in California, um, right when weed went legal, right? Um, all the agricultural got rezoned and most of the farmers that owned that land didn't even know it got rezoned. But overnight, once it went legal and it was able to be cultivated, the land value like literally instantly quadrupled. Right. Right. Like so like a, right. a lot of people made a lot of money with that. But let me give you guys another example. So I was down in uh, Scottsdale shooting a case study video with my partner and uh, he uh, we he was starting to buy these properties in a neighborhood um, zoned. They're typical three ones, two ones, right? But the lot size was huge and the zoning was not at its highest and best use. So right. basically the highest and best use allows for another thousand square foot to be added onto the back of the house. Nobody on the block knows that. So he was actually overpaying for these houses because he knows like if it's listed at 350, he's buying it at 360. He just wants to deal because it doesn't matter because the value is by the addition on the back end. Only known because he knows the zoning of the area, right? So zoning is something great. Well said. That's something that everybody should know. Um, let's get some examples in your market there, like what people would look at. I mean, I've got so many. I mean, just the one we, um, well, I mean, I've got actually a really good example that we bought. I think we bought it in March. Uh, it's actually a four unit building. And uh, because of the zoning and the size of the lot, we're actually able to turn it into a 20 unit building. So from four units to 20 units, you can imagine the increased value. Wow. Uh, so that's a perfect example. If, if you're an agent and you come across this four unit building and just realize that it could be 20 units, uh, that would be a perfect thing you could just tee up and give to a developer. 
Uh, also, the other thing is, you know, work with a good architect because an architect, they're going to help you with the zoning as a, you know, even me as a developer, as you maybe an agent, you're going to know zoning, but you're not going to become an expert. But an yeah. architect, you could say, hey, I think this works and take an architect. Go, oh, yeah, this absolutely works. So having a good, you know, one or two architects in your, in your back pocket uh, who you can run deals by and then again, tee it up for a developer. If someone brings me a deal ready to go, the numbers are good, the zoning's right, everything's good to go. I mean, I, I'll love that person forever. So yeah, um, so that's absolutely, um, you know, a, a great way to go. You're, you're manufacturing listings, you're manufacturing opportunities. Like you have to, like if I, what I don't understand about real estate agents is when they go prospecting, they go prospect, lead generation's expensive, right? Like if whether, and, but we spend money on like shit like Zillow, like they'll pay $5,000 a month on Zillow instead of $5,000 a month sent to absentee owners, high equity people, or people that are about to sell their damn house or going through some kind of financial distress. Like if I'm going to spend money on marketing, I'm going to go after the lowest hanging fruit and investors never have a lead generation problem despite market conditions. And the reason for that, you guys, is because they put their offer in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, like yep. uh, rehabbers, there's still people rehabbing houses in San Diego. They're rehabbing over by you. You're buying development ops, but yet real estate agents can't find listings. Why is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, why? I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, it, to me, it's a no brainer. Um, I, I Again, I, I've worked so many real estate agents over my career. I can't even count, you know, <laughs> I've lost count, but very few, maybe like 5% or less really even understand this concept. I, I just don't understand why. I mean, you know, if I'm a real estate agent, I'll, I'll have my regular business, my buyers and sellers. But, you know, over a course of a year, you should be able to come across at least five properties that make sense for a rehabber or even a developer. And again, as a, if you sell to a rehabber, if it makes sense for that person, again, it's kind of a one-to-one -one where you get some commission on the upfront and you get one commission on the back. But again, working with a developer, you can get a one big commission up front and maybe 20 commissions on the back end. Right. Uh, that could change your whole year and all your numbers for the entire year. And if you did that five times in a year, which is very doable, I mean, you, you, you know, you guys can run the math and run the numbers. So again, I, I just don't understand why real estate agents don't do it. I think they just don't think this way. They're more, um, you know, they're always kind of focused on buyers and sellers and the standard, you know, residential people, mm -hmm. but just expand a little bit and you can have this huge opportunity, yeah. um, with, you know, amazing opportunity. Yeah. Don't, don't give up your residential business. Like that's your bread right. and butter. Right. But this is the shit that gets you rich. Like, right. you know, this is what, this is just what it is. Um, how do you guys find deals? Like, where do you concentrate at? And like, how do you find deals if you're not being brought to you? Do you guys like go out? I know Dan's pretty aggressive uh, with marketing and whatnot, right? So how do you guys find deals? Where do people start? What kind of people do you target? Yeah, basically, um, I mean, we have like, like a bunch of different lead sources. So I've been doing this so long that I do get deals brought to me all the time. They know that I'm a developer. They know I close on deals. I don't you know, just kind of mess around and try to get stuff under contract. I don't really wholesale them. So they, they know me and they know I'll, I'll get a deal done. So I, I, a lot of commercial agents will bring me deals. I'll get residential agents will bring me deals. We have at least two people on our team that focus on our deals as well. So they bring me deals. Uh, I get deals from, I guess, what I call support services in real estate. So uh, title companies, attorneys. I, I Actually, the house I live in right now came to me from, I, I built the house in a lot. Uh, it came to me from an attorney who knew me. And then he was, sorry, I can't remember the exact, this is like five, six years ago now, but some reason the house needed to be sold. And so the attorney brought it to me, uh, architects, engineers, they'll bring me stuff. Um, I had a, um, uh, a, a, not a surveyor, a um, appraiser bring me one the other day. Uh, they were appraising a property like, oh, this is perfect for a developer. They knew me because I was doing one down the street and they called me and we actually ended up not doing that deal, but that was a potential deal. 
So there's so many like ways we get deals. Um, and we only do, I mean, because the size of deals we do, we do like maybe 20 deals a year. So it's not like we're doing like hundreds uh, because these are multi-million dollar deals that we're doing. So we only need like one or two a month on average is what we're looking for. Great. Um, how do you guys, um, um, well, actually, I mean, you mentioned some about um, the attorney's referrals. Um, when we're looking at like distressed asset, whether you guys are looking at like big projects like this or not, but like the people you surround yourself with who come across the exact same deals is who you really want to network with. So like um, our best days were in the short sales. We had a lot of bankruptcy attorneys we knew, right? They didn't know how to negotiate short sales. So we took that on. Same with foreclosure defense. So like when you create, if you look at some of these different affiliate partners is the way I view them, like probate, duh. Yeah. All probate wants to do is unload a property ASAP. Mm -hmm. Probate so, attorneys, a divorce attorneys, all these guys are coming across distress situations all the time. Yeah. How many would you say do you, is most of the properties you purchase, uh, would you say are the result of a distress point? Or do you think it's just more of a zoning op or um, do you see any ratios on those? Um, it really, I, I think it kind of varies, but I say, I say at least half have some kind of distress. Usually, yeah. you know, the typical someone, you know, unfortunately somebody died and is left to the children. They don't know what to do with it. So they're trying to unload it. That's very typical. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, like you mentioned also a lot are, you know, the other half are just because people don't understand the zoning and they're like, you know, they think it's worth this, but we're like, oh no, it's worth a lot more. Uh, so it's kind of a combination. Um, I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but yeah. uh, we get, we get sources, we get all, all those. It's significant though with distress. So again, Absolutely. what does that tell you guys, like where you place your marketing? We just said it earlier. You put your offer in front of the right people. Um, the only offer I've ever seen that works is I will buy your house. Mm -hmm. for like a seller lead generation, right? Like agents, they try to get so slick. They'll be like, oh, I got to do a slick marketing and this super piece of me in a suit. No, dude, that doesn't work. You need to give a solution to someone who has a problem and then you get a lead. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, right? exactly. It's all, that. that's what, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, if you're, you're trying to wholesale a property or you're trying to get a property under market, you're kind of screwing that person or you're trying to like, you know, take advantage of them. It's like, no, you're solving a problem. Yes. If you go into it with that mindset of solving a problem for them. Yes. They're more than happy. They're like, please take it off my yeah. hand. You know? uh, because you got to understand, I mean, again, like a typical scenario is again, somebody dies, actually we're working on property right now. And there's like multiple, multiple children and they live all across the country. They're busy with their lives. They don't have time to come to fly to DC, figure out the market. Typically yeah. properties are need rehab. So you can't even sell them on the open market. So they're just like, please give me some money, make it easy for me. Uh, we're, we're happy to take, you know, whatever price. Uh, so yeah, that you just the mindset is to solve their problem. If you have that mindset, you're going to be very successful in, in this business. hundred percent. What do you guys see coming down the pipe? Um, I'm getting a couple signs here and there. People are messaging. Hey, I've seen a little bit of a slowdown right now. I'm starting to see a shift. Um, the NAR just came out with their stats shows May sales down 20%. Um, what are you guys seeing? You know, you guys got a lot of money invested in these, right? So I'm sure you're watching this very closely. What do you guys think's coming up? What's your guys' opinion? Um, well, I think we had, um, you know, obviously we had a huge run up here, uh, kind of post COVID. I think a lot of this is, I don't think it's a true hyperinflation. I think it's post COVID. There's this kind of tremendous surge of demand uh, for everything, right? For airline, car rentals, vacation, anything, you name it. Uh, restaurants. I was just meeting with a restaurant guy the other day. His restaurant's like packed. He said beyond belief right now. <laughs> uh, so I think I think we're already seeing in DC. I think uh, January, February, even into March, it was crazy. I mean, we were like ultra hot, and we've seen a little bit of softening from that that craziness. 
So I think it's just normal. I think we're going to get back to a normal market here. Um, for the, the reason I, I stick to DC is because even a normal market is really, really good compared to the rest of the country. So uh, we're, we're still bullish. We're still building. Uh, we just, like I said, acquired a 24 unit last week. I've got a 34 unit I'm buying next week. So we're, we're still, you know, rocking and rolling and buying and developing. Oh, good. And even in, if I'm not mistaken, in 2007 and eight, because Washington's so transient and all those freaking dirty politicians are coming in and out of there all the time. Like there's always a market, right? There's always people coming in and out and moving that they move in, they move out. And it's just never, it didn't get hit like the rest of the country at that time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, wait, believe it or not, in D.C. proper, we only went down 4% in 08. Yeah, I remember that. The suburbs of D.C. were like down 30%, but we were in, in downtown, the actual D.C. proper is only 4%. So yet another reason why I like the D.C. market, because we're very, very resilient. Uh, during COVID, we were actually up 10%, believe it or not, last year. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, we, we've got a lot of reasons why D.C. is kind of a very resilient market. How did uh, things like lumber prices affect you guys, if at all any, when that hit? Because now they're down. Like, well, guess, what was that? Well, what, and how important is that for an agent to know that kind of stuff? Like, these are things and trends that occur. Right. Um, I think it's just more like being aware of it as an agent. So when you talk to a developer and you you, you say, oh, hey, I, I know lumber prices are up. It may be more difficult. We kind of know that you know the market and what's going on. If you're just kind of clueless and saying, oh, lumber, what do, what do you use lumber for? Then we're like, yeah. oh, no, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you kind of like, you know, knowing the lingo and kind of what's happening in our world a little bit. I don't think you have to know the exact price of a two by four or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's affected us. I mean, we've had a lot of increases, especially lumber, like you mentioned, but pretty much across the board steel. So our overall construction budgets are up about 10% right now because um, some things are up, some, you know, some things are up like 4X, but other things are the same. So overall, we're about 10% up. The other big issue is just lead times. We've had a lot of delays with, you know, like we can't get joists, we can't get basic materials. So that's pushing our jobs out a little bit. Sure. But in general, um, again, another another reason I like the DC market is because our profit margins are so high that even if it's a 10% increase in construction, uh, we're actually still making more money because we're getting, like, for example, one project we have now, we just closed out, we just sold all the units. Um, it was a million dollar construction budget. So we were up 10%. So we spent 100,000 more on the project. But the out sale was $3 million, and that also went up 10%. So we ended up getting $300,000 more on the out sale. So net, net, we actually made $200,000 because both ends have kind of gone up. So um, that's what we're seeing across the board on all of our projects in D.C. right now. 10% on cost, but 10% on out sale as well. Interesting. Take note of what he just said, guys. Uh, it's right on. If you uh, want to actually get a developer under your radar, you got to speak their lingo. Um, you can't because they'll know right away. They'll be like, oh, this guy's a pushover. Like, I know I, you have to, like, speak that language. Um, Sunil, anything else you want to add and share with our listeners here today? No, I think we, I think we've, we've talked about it. But again, I just all I can keep saying is I highly recommend any real estate agent, you know, work with rehabbers, developers, anybody. It's a great kind of side, you know, separate business almost. You can think of it great revenue store, you know, source, you get at least two commissions, if not more. So I just think it's, it's a no brainer for real estate agents to be working with, uh, with guys like myself. Awesome, dude. Why don't you tell everybody how they can find you if you guys want to look them up um, online um, and then uh, share your handles or whatever else you like and we'll get this wrap. Yeah. Again, if you want to kind of see, you know, what, what's going on in the world of development, just check me out on all my social media handles. I'm at the Sunil Saxena. Uh, IG and TikTok are my two main platforms. I'm on YouTube as well. And my website is again, the sunilsaxena.com. Uh, and it's just, you know, just follow me and you'll, you'll just kind of keep up with what we're doing, our deals, all that kind of stuff. And that'll help you when you're talking to developers in your market. 
Cool, man. Appreciate it. Congrats on your guys' success. Thanks for uh, sharing on the show. And thank you folks for listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. If you need help building this brand, getting the attention of maybe some of these developers or getting the attention of your community, look us up. We'll script edit and distribute all of your video content and make it really freaking easy. The only time it doesn't work is when people don't like you and that's nothing we can help you with. But if you're looking at like listing strategies and you really want to start attracting new listings, check out what we just got on going uh, at the listingadvocate.com. That's listingadvocate.com. Um, it's a multiple offer solution. It is 100% seller lead attraction. And uh, I believe that's the future of this market, which is why we're doing it. So um, check that out if you have any further interest. But thank you as always for watching another episode or listening to another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude. Get back on your treadmill. Have a good weekend and stay tuned for next week's show. Well, peace out. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching another episode of the Real Estate Marketing Dude podcast. If you need help with video or finding out what your brand is, visit our website at www.realestatemarketingdude.com. We make branding and video content creation simple and do everything for you. So if you have any additional questions, visit the site, download the training, and then schedule time to speak with a dude and get you rolling in your local marketplace. Thanks for watching another episode of the podcast. We'll see you next time.